Word to the Wise. We're an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. This week, that is through the end of Era 2, The Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson of Mistborn. I just said all of those words in the wrong order, but you should understand how to assemble them correctly in your mind. Some assembly required. Hey there, this is Cross. PJ, I'm. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. We are absolutely. We're about as complicated as an IKEA bookshelf. It's pretty simple. You can figure it out. You might end up with a couple extra screws. Those are our penises. But we're fine. I had a better joke and I just let you go, you know, <laughs> it's like we're screwless. You, we come with the tools because we are the tools. We're not really wood. It's not hard. It's particle board. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As a particle board <laughs> penis is what he's trying to say. I, where are we we're starting? I'm so it has strong. a veneer that makes it look like wood, but it's just particle board. We aren't even coming in hot this time. What are you doing? <laughs> It also has an unpronounceable name. <laughs> Today is our wrap-up episode discussing The Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson. But before we go too much farther, PJ, I have to hear what you're drinking. Can you tell it me what you're like drinking on this Friday? three umlauts. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and what are those O's with the line through it, the slashy yeah. O's? At least yeah. a couple of those. Couple I am those. drinking a pineapple Mai Tai. Using mm. the apple or acid adjusted pineapple juice. So, same recipe as what I've outlined before, but it is like two and a quarter ounces of rum, half an ounce of pineapple juice, or yeah, one ounce of pineapple juice, half an ounce of triple sec, three quarters of an ounce of Argeau, two dashes of saline solution. And then just a squeeze of lime, all shaken and served with crushed ice. And I've got it in this little tiki guy. Ooh, little tiki guy. He's holding his tummy. He is holding his tummy, as they are wont to do. Yes. Following that up, I have Talking Waters Brewing Company's Elio Geyser. Easy IPA. Mm. So Nice. Yeah. What about you, Crossman? I just have a tiki drink today. It is effectively a double because of that's usually what I do when I don't have anything to follow this up with. It's a rum drink. It has pineapple juice in it, lime juice, or joe, two two rums. You know, it's kind of the kind of just smashed together. Tiki classic. bullshit. Yeah, tiki bullshit. Answer it's pretty good. It's pretty right. it's pretty good. It's hard. Might Look, throw some like Angostura in it. Once you learn like what tastes good with tiki stuff, it's hard to go wrong with it. Like you mm-hmm. you really can just throw shit at the wall. And as long yeah. as you've got your ratios right, it's going to taste pretty good. Mm-hmm. Very true. You know, three ounces pineapple, four ounces orjo, eight ounces rum, an ice cube. <laughs> Don't do that at home, folks. <laughs> That's not a recommendation. <laughs> Those are not the real Hot ratios. Hot sugar you've got there. 
<laughs> no, it's cold. Actually, it's it's not whatever temperature your fridge not. was at. <laughs> yeah, right. it's whatever temperature the fridge was. <laughs> also, your shaker exploded when you tried to shake that. Also, it didn't all fit in the shaker. <laughs> you got two shakers, and you don't know what you're doing with your life. Wow, that is actually my current status. Thank you for <laughs> informing everyone. Same. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, before we get too much further, I guess this is kind of just for the for the record, we're going to do one more episode covering Mistborn. On the whole, we're going to be joined by Overly Average Ben again to come back and kind of tie a nice little bow on it since he read through Bands of Morning and through The Lost Metal to kind of talk about the whole thing. And uh, we're going to talk about Arrow 1 and 2 on the whole, talk about Skadriel, basically, to give this series kind of a full send-off, kind of like we did Red Rising before we jump into the Greenbone Saga. But PJ, this is our technically third, I'm going to call it full, it's it's our full third series finished. Red Rising isn't even finished, so I don't even know that I'd qualify. Well, we can call it three because we finished the original trilogy. So we'll call, we'll say we finished three sets of series so far how do you feel what are, what are your thoughts i'm numb I, I just feel like things are never gonna end because there's just too many fucking books and i have thousands and thousands and thousands of pages on my bookshelf that i'm not even allowed to touch or open yet <laughs> so it's it's just mostly apathy is what i'm feeling crossing <laughs> i you know i get it I, I think about that all the time. You know, I think about what's the proximity to our end of the Cosmere and the heat death of the universe. And as more and more writers get brought on to write it, I just feel like it is going to spin out forever. And I'm pretty sure the universe will die first. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. Like, so what's another year mean to you? What's up? 23 years? Two or three years. <laughs> Oh, two or three years? Yeah, fair point. <laughs> we got like two or three more years. I thought you said 23, and I was like, that's not bad. <laughs> it's two or three. <laughs> I could I could get some, some shit done in 23 years. Yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah, fair point. I mean to. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. You're just on, you're on fire, apparently. <laughs> No, but but how do you how do you feel now? Are you what? How, how do you? Yep, I have some mixed feelings about the story overall. I think in general, though, I am pretty happy with how most of the characters have concluded their their arcs, or not. There's some ambig- ambiguity to it, but mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So this is usually where we jump into the episode and just begin. But PJ, we have some previous predictions to pay off here. So we are going to go ahead and lead with those on the top of this episode before we go any further. So we've got quite a few to go through here and then we'll start to talk about the summary stuff. But I'm going to read the for us, the italic text, you're going to read your bolded text, and we're going to rehash some of these things. We're going to decide whether or not you provided a correct answer and who drinks. So, okay. Wax finds a small envelope on his desk with a small note and a Pathian earring from Harmony, one that says he'll have to make a second one once the proper metal arrives. Curious, what metal do you think he's talking about? 
I would assume, based on the name of the book and maybe a couple of clues in the text, that they are in the search for Atium, and that's what's being addressed here. I only didn't pay this one off earlier because it was kind of connected to the lost metal on the whole, and so there was, you know, there's some ambiguity. But it was it was Trellium. That was the earring. Yes and no, though. Because they the goal of maintaining and perpetuating Mars's life was also not very explicit, but present throughout. I'm not talking about the lost what what the lost metal is for the record here. I was I maintained the question because it kind of pertained to the lost metal. Okay, if that makes sense, or what the lost metal is, which we can debate. This is strictly about the earring, though. The question is strictly about the earring, and it was not composed of atium. It was composed of trellium or pavidinium. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Cool. One down. And that's definitely you. And she, once again, specifies that this is an audition, even if she's going to get let in, and gives us a little hint to her own past that she was involved with the fate of empires. I love Marisi's little rip here. Do you think that Marisi is going to bite and join the moon, the ghost bloods? The moon bloods. Moon Uh, bloods. um, My answer is yeah. Tied to faith as a survivorist, we'll join. Moonlight is so mysterious. I, for one, am excited to see what happens from here. Is this person or any of the other agents someone that shows up in the other book series? Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That that's also another makes one. Me sound like a idiot child of some sort. I, I think I think it's important to note that as as stated previously a couple of times on the show, we have vague notes that are effectively bullet points. Sometimes I write out more verbose questions as we get closer to what I assume the end of an episode is, because we generally get more drunk over the course of an episode and we need stronger guideposts. But that's really what they are. They're guideposts. So sometimes our our recorded answers here are like, I am baby when I read this because, you know. It's also it doesn't have all the context around it. It wasn't intended to be a prediction. And then you decide on the fly. This is a prediction question and like type out what I'm saying. Also true. In I did maybe infantilize you there. I, th- I think yeah. that's what this was. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We find the notebook and information on the bomb and why Bilming built the ships to begin with as a way of test launching distances with rockets. Of course, if the rockets aren't working, PJ, how do you think they plan to deliver the bomb? Do you think they got one to work? No, I don't think so. If they had, they would have launched it. My guess is that Dahl is an inside man of the set, and they plan to use him and his warships to simply drop the bomb onto the city. I would like to, first of all, say that the use of the term warships, I think, should give me some credit. No the spirit is right. <laughs> but I his wrong. warships are very different than I understand. I remember when we had this conversation I was like but the warships that they're talking about are the battleships. They're the they're the boats, not the and you're like, "Well, he's his flying ship is a warship." And I was like, "I don't believe that." And then I went to the text and I was like, "Fuck, you're right. They did describe it as a warship too. That's extra confusing." Yeah. I remember that verbatim from that wouldn't episode. You, wouldn't that have been like the best option though to just drop it's as the though, fucking bomb out of the out of the sky? I mean, naturally. Yeah. 
it not only that, but it would have resolved the Malwish plotline that is otherwise completely dangling. But we'll talk about that in a second. Would have given us a little bit of a wrap up there. I don't know there. if you can even count it's, it as dangling. It's just kind of it. You're I right. mean, it's dangling. it's dangling. Like it's it's it totally dangling, yeah. But there's not that much. I, there's like nubs sticking out of the ceiling, waiting to dangle. I don't know about that, man. Yeah, the whole bands of mourning question mark is is pretty big, and like how they get drained. Like there's there's some massive massive plot threads that are just hanging loose from the sweater of an era conclusion. Okay, we got a couple more. We start with Wax having a conversation with Harmony about doing his part in all of this, since Wax is upholding his side of the deal. We get more from him that Autonomy won't intervene, but that he can choose to stun her, which plays into the end of this, and only if Autonomy chooses to withdraw from her in that moment. He also makes mention during this conversation that other odd things are happening to him, and Harmony says, it is something else, but it didn't work as I'd hoped. My response was... Jesus, I just want to know what's going on with those vials and wax at large. I assume Wayne is being affected by this too, considering the trove of metal mines that he gets earlier. Vials, metal vials. You said mines. Yep. Those are very different things. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm not in Crossland. You know this about me. This this is a prediction that was turned into one in post. So this was never written as a question or intended to be one, but because you kind of we kind of circled around it and I was like, this is practically it. You just wanted to know what was going on with those vials and you assumed that Wayne was impacted in the same way. And that isn't true. Not until the very end in which he sucks down the one vial that has the Lorassium in it. In the end, isn't he is affected by now? a vial. Isn't that the same? Not in the spirit of this. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Wax also gets vials, like mm-hmm. vial, a vial drop shipment. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them has a red stopper as well. So yep. presumably it is the same sort of function as what Wayne gets. No, it's, it's the same vial. That red vial is the same vial. Oh, it's the not vial like that Wayne drinks. Got one? No, no, no. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he drinks Wax's red stoppered vial. Wax does have the abilities from earlier with the exposure that he got when the Trellium thing went off, which is why for the whole book he's flinching at random moments and like he seems to see further than he can at different times and he seems to be more powerful. Yep, sees through the mists. There are all those very subtle hints that show that he he has slight access to a bunch of metals because of the Lorassium. But But, okay, so Here's what I don't like about that. Mm-hmm. They very explicitly go into detail about actively accessing their stores of metals for burning. Like they see discrete piles of metals and actively have to burn them. And that happens in Era 1 as well with Vin. But it's not mm-hmm. until she understands the nuances of like what it means to be an allomancer that she's able to really distinguish like what she's doing. Whereas here mm-hmm. wax has been an allomancer his entire life as is very adept at being a steel pusher. Mm-hmm. There's not a single moment where he would realize that he's burning another metal. If you, if you notice, well, I think, I think that there's a couple of things going on here and I do generally agree with you that it is a little, it is a little kooky. 
he's either like generally been knocked on the head or it's in a very intense moment. Like it's something else has happened to almost make him like trigger the other metal as opposed to it being something that he's like actively choosing to burn. I mean, tin. So it's tin, for example, looking through the mists that that's the one that sticks out to me as Mm -hmm. yes, but why? Or, but how could you not know something was up? I think it's also trace and trace, right? So it's like the power is so thin compared to the other powers. Like he doesn't have the power of a full-blown Mistborn by any means, as we understand in the age of old. He just seems to be a very weak Mistborn. Well, it's not binary. It's not just on and off. Well, he only inhaled so much of the dust. Great question, though. That that I don't like that answer. <laughs> I don't like yep. that answer at all. He just hasn't been huh. ingesting metals, so he just has trace amount of metals. I can buy that as a as an understanding. But the metal vials counterpoint to your point on the on the trace metals. He has the the vials from Harmony that have other flakes in them. Yeah, intentionally. Are they are they full like? doses of those metals or are they just trace flakes that's a great question i'm sure we'll figure out in secret history too i i don't like it (laughs) did you like my little drag there i'm so sorry (laughs) it's fine we'll get a secret history too and i think it'll be yeah relatively interesting especially because it'll primarily be following kelsier presumably who is explicitly not directly well that's the problem isn't it is if he is directly influencing the story but he's mostly outside of the like geographical influence of the story he would have a very tough time exerting the same influences that he did in mistborn you know secret history one i i have a feeling personally i've i've got this itch that if we get a secret history two, it would definitely focus still with kelsier of course inside of the story for various reasons, but I also have this itch that says that I think that it, we would spend a lot of time with Marsh throughout and, you know, see something like Marsh taking bleeder over the finish line because Harmony couldn't stare at that and like walk her into the spiritual realm, things like that. Like, that's what I see. Yeah. Being, you know, included potentially. That. Yeah. So I think regardless, you're drinking, though, for this one. I did. Okay, cool. I'll drink again. All right, the next ones were all assumptions based on the end of the novel, going into the final week of the show. Since I don't really have anything to do on this one, it's just you. You read, and we judge? Sure. Autonomy divested. Because of the separation from Telson by Harmony's act. I don't think it works in that order. It doesn't happen in that order, but I will say that you got the spirit of it correct. But also, I don't think Telson, or I don't think autonomy is fully divested from the planet. Not that I think that that corrects your prediction, but that's more of a general era three prediction. Assumption, autonomy divested because of the separation from Telson by Harmony's actions. I think that the intent there was divested from the planet, which you could be right. So I'm going to take the drink because I think that you're mostly right. But we don't have concrete details. Also, this is tasty. So like, yeah, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not going to whine. <laughs> cool. Wayne's demise Next. seems like it's on the table. I hope it's not. Well, it was. 
So I drank. You you let that be a, a drinkable solution or a drinkable. Yeah. What was I going to do? Tell you no. I said yeah, like not Deadpool stuff, but basically Deadpool stuff. Like yeah. Marisi joins Ghostbloods deep in the police in in the police. <laughs> you wrote it like that. <laughs> no, it corrected po lease like a you know, house lease or like oh, a it, you know it was like uh, transcription. Mm-hmm. No, okay. no, I typed it, but it auto corrected it. Why would it auto correct so, like that? <laughs> I don't know. All right. But is also deep in politics. I joins Ghostbloods is the first sentence there, so that's outright wrong. Mm-hmm. But the other two points are also right. <laughs> Basically, I would say she's not necessarily deep in the police, but she is deep in politics. She's definitely going in that direction. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip. Okay. For the final one. We'll push the middle one. Steris. Or nope, nope, nope. Skipped one. Wax fully retires, steps down as senator, doesn't do anything official for anyone, anywhere outside of his children and wife. Uh, they might move to Bilming to get away from Ellendale. I did write Lamau phrasing because of what you said, like, don't doesn't do his wife. And I was like, in the episode, I was like, I'm going to restructure this, but I'm going to remember <laughs> that bit and make fun right. of the fact. Anyway, fair. He doesn't step down as senator at all, and he doesn't leave an Ellendale. Doesn't he technically step down as senator as a like, part of the tour? I don't think that he's still a senator, though. I thought I that think he that had tour is part of his like could be senatorship and bringing other cities into the fold. Yeah, I guess it's. I can't recall. One way or another, but it's kind of part, a horse apiece. He's yeah. not retired, I mm-hmm. guess, is the spirit of it. Even if he's not technically a senator, he's still working towards the betterment of the city in an official capacity. And that is counter mm-hmm. to what this this prediction is going for. Yeah. So I will drink for it. Cool. First, right. become a consultant or author. I feel like consultant is a fairly... It's not official, but she she gets an official position. But I feel like the spirit's still kind of the same. What do you feel about this? As far as like you were arguing for it? like a tax consultant, like a like a business consultant, like that side of things. Okay, here's that's what I'm gonna do. Right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a drink. But I remembered like in the moment being like, you really don't think motherfucker that she's going to get like hired after how well this is going it's okay i drank for it i'll drink for it too okay we love you all right next up harmony rest for the god please (laughs) accused of impotence and exhausted with the way that he's been working against these warnings in tents inside of him he's these warring intents inside of him ideally a nap Kind of. I think you're right. I think I think you're right. That is almost verbatim the way that the interaction between Kelsey and Harmony goes. Yeah. So there's there's that. He isn't he isn't going to get rest necessarily, but it seems as though he can relax for a second. Not that he gets a nap or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was a nice touch to say that, like, he deserves a nap, even though that didn't fit the, the prediction necessarily. Right. Cool. And the, last and the final one. one. The friends that we made along the way. You know what? 
I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I genuinely don't think you're wrong. I think really, we cheers to that. I think I think we do cheers to that. Oh wait, let me get my tiki drink. Cheers. All right. Cool. Well, now we got some shit to talk about. So that was fun. I love the bit about the lost metal when you said that. And I was like, what's the lost metal? And you're like, the friends we made along the way. And I was like, all right, that's it. <laughs> that's going in for sure. Maybe we start that. Let's, I think maybe we should start with overall feelings about the book. I know that you talked about it just very briefly at the top, but I think that that was about concluding and second series and stuff mm-hmm. like that. How'd you feel overall about this book? You know, you've had like two weeks almost to sit with it at this point, considering when you finished reading it and like yeah. the couple of episodes. How do you feel about it? Overall, I, I, I love it. I love the book. I think in the same sort of fashion as what we talked about with Tress, the end could have done more. But in general, the bulk of it is great. How do you feel about it? You're at the same point as I, I am in the uh, yes, right in the Miss Pretty Much series. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've got a little bit more knowledge. Right, without question, I've got a little bit more knowledge on a couple of things that are kind of outstanding pieces to some degree, you know, and and mostly it's just like loose details that you're kind of missing at this point, not like big, massive picture stuff. But I, I feel like, so when I, when I read through it the first time, I was like solid eight and a half. When we were reading through it the second time, I'm like solid eight and a half, but my reasons switched actually in a reread, a lot of the things that I liked didn't hold up nearly as much. And the things that I were afraid that I was afraid of not liking and not believing that I was going to resonate with in a first read, specifically what ended up being the Marisy plotline, the gloves off stuff. I liked the first time around and I did not like the second time around. I had a much stronger reaction to Marisy's plotline the second time around versus kind of liking it the first time. But when you start to get narrow on it, it just, kind of falls apart as you at the very least and it doesn't fall apart it all works there's there's no like structural issues i didn't mean it that way but the character motivations all feel a little wonky and the reason for doing things and sort of the expediency with which the plot is lost there or with the immediate comparisons to era one that were made that just weren't trusting the viewer to to connect really happened predominantly in marisi's perspective and so I feel like she gets really washed out in this story, and I think she gets understold. And at first I liked it, but the moment that I got beyond the surface of experience is when that story didn't work for me. Okay. That's fair. But the rest of it clicked, which I was shocked. Because I did I did like the rest of the story, but not as much as I liked kind of that core underneath. Yeah. So. Okay. So I was happy to see Moonlight again. Like I was, it was very cool to see that character again because it's from a different story, and like that was a shocking please. But at the same time, I'm like, is this? Does this even feel like the same character in a reread too? I'm like, huh. It doesn't. It doesn't quite read the same either. So there's like an inconsistency of the way that she feels written as well, which just didn't land. So there are a couple of different issues. But I still really like it. I think that's kind of the, the net takeaway is, you know, it went from an 8.5 to an 8.5. It's just like my my review text changed, <laughs> which is very silly, it feels. But yeah. Perfect. Like Steris's entire plot line, like really solidified for me in this go around. I liked it the first time because it felt like it really built the character out. 
but I also I I got way more out of it the second time around, considering how dense it is with comparisons to the past and how she's changed and evolved. So mm-hmm. I just really liked it. Yeah. What were some of the things you didn't like, or what what didn't stand out to you? You know, we've said mixed bag. Liked it, really liked it, but uh, I I guess Marisy in general is kind of the biggest one for me. She has this great arc and there are just some decision-making that I think we got into and I'm like blanking on the specifics of right now that I feel like could have really solidified her arc as a character. And just... what what's the What's the one I'm thinking of? Like, I, I know I made a point about it in the last episode. Do you remember? Was it in relation to the harms? Was it in relation to... Uh, fuck. I don't remember. I can pull up the last episode's notes. But... Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to do the same. I know I, I know I wrote in the notes, I did not like this. Yep, okay. Oh, it's when she's, like, wondering if anyone will know that she was a part of the like city saving efforts as well. Like that made the entire character arc and the, the moral decision to stay on the constable's mm-hmm. path, as opposed to joining the ghost bloods feel irrelevant, completely irrelevant. I'm not like whatever, for whatever reason, that one fucking sentence left enough of a bad taste in my mouth that I like kind of diverted all of my positive energy away from Marisi's story arc. Yeah, it would it would be something different if she was indecisive. You know what I mean? Like if Marisi had a decision complex problem, but she is generally so like at this point in the story especially, she's so like line focused on different things. The only I remember in the moment, the only rationale that I could give her is like, it's been a rough 10 hours or 11 hours. So like, you know, she's seeing all these things and loving that hustle bustle in the city, but she's overwhelmed and full of pastries, full of that bread cream and giving some credence to the decision making process. There are constables, there are cops, there are police officers, there are public officials that get praise for the good things that they do. And what Mm -hmm. she did was turn her back or or, or turn away from a secret society, which would guarantee that she would get no public praise for anything good that she did. So I can understand the want for a public perception to be good, especially now understanding that she's also vying for a governorship. So, so good publicity as a constable and as a detective is beneficial for her bid for public officialship. And you could, you could also simplify this down a little bit and spin it another direction to say that like, this is beneficial for her from an ego standpoint. She, at the beginning of this novel, when we're introduced to the other constables, the other women, female constables of whom have joined over the course of time that she's inspired to join because of the stories of the bands. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal for her in the beginning of the story and, and the way that she's impacted people. And it especially has a lot of impact or resonance with me because, uh, or not with, with me in particular, but I find a lot of resonance in it with 
a her like idolization of Vin that she kind of like leans into and she says that everyone does. And so she wants to be a different role model, but then also her idolization of wax. Right. And so there she's falling in the same traps and premises as before. And then she has this opportunity to work in obscurity, but it's almost as though her ego not entirely her ego, but she has this belief that it's better to be that uh, that statue in the park almost like Vin versus, you know, the quiet manipulator of Kelsier to some degree. Yeah. Almost directly, actually. But it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Marisi, unfortunately, is the character that like. So. My problem with this book in general, and this is something we can talk about, is most of the characters actually feel resolved before we come into the story, right? Like, Wax's story is done, um, and for the most part, at the end of the Bands of Mourning, and Wayne's story is the only one that's really left kind of hanging. Marisi's come to the conclusion that she doesn't need power anymore, and so she's not going to seek that anymore. She has a really good resolution. Steris has found that she is more useful than she ever thought she was. And so we're, we basically, this book is just an escalation of everything we see in Bands of Mourning. So my like super hot take that I talked about our patrons with on, on Sunday was I think that you should cut Bands of Mourning as a book and make this a trilogy. I think you just ax it because Bands of Mourning also only introduces plot threads that ne- that aren't getting resolved at all in the rest of this book in the series. Like, they are referenced though. Of course they're referenced because they can't be completely ignored once they're there. So you just rewrite it without them and it's fine. The entire Malwish oh, plot doesn't I, technically I thought, need I to be meant here. Like after publication as Oh like no, somebody... no, no. You can't I'm saying from a okay. constructionist standpoint of like if you were building gotcha. the series or even if you were adapting it, I would axe bands of mourning unfortunately oh, man, there are many like technological things that happen in bands of mourning that are that are so cool but that are totally irrelevant in this story all of the alimantic grenades that's one thing tuck it into shadows of self mm, okay there'd be there'd be some rewriting but There'd be some happen. complications. I'm not. I'm not saying there aren't. But what I'm saying is, is like there are all of the plot threads. Pretty much all of the plot threads that were brought up in Bands of Morning are irrelevant or are relegated to complete sideline action in this story. Yeah, yeah. It's my hot take. It's my hot take. Not wrong. It's definitely a hot take. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I I think you know now now that we're out of out of the series two to some degree, you know, done, done with this. How would you rank the books? Ooh. Shadows, lost metal, alloy bands. Is that bottom to top? Top to bottom. Shadows at the top or bottom? Top. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. I I also love the Indiana Jones story. Don't get me wrong, but you could have the Indiana Jones story could have also been the end of this trilogy if it had an extra hundred pages to resolve the set and Trell. You know what I mean? Or Telson. Like it didn't need to escalate necessarily to a world-ending thing. Yeah. You know. I don't know. 
Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think Shadows ends up being my favorite in the end because it does the most character work for a lot of these a lot of these characters and we see what they have to overcome and they do get paid off, you know, book to book to book, so it is it is good to have the full series as we do because we would have never seen the Wayne payoff the way that it did, which I think is the biggest best thing of this book to me. What what's yeah. surprising me about my gut answer to that mm-hmm. is like I was so gung-ho about this book to begin with Mm -hmm. and i do love it but i really thought it was my favorite brandon sanderson book to date and and then like i i don't want to say it fell off but maybe it's just recency bias and now i've got like the whole book under my belt so i can kind of look at it retrospectively like i can with the other books and i think that's where it falls into place hmm there's that and we did also read two other brandon sanderson books in the middle of this book too right like warbreaker and tress fucking good you know yeah do like i i think tress and warbreaker are both like oh yeah they're both in my top five back and forth for one and two for me yeah i think warbreaker still stands as my top book and then maybe a couple of the stormlight archive books and then Tress and then something else. I would have to think on it a little bit, but I mean, right now it's somehow all seven Mistborn books are the bottom seven because Elantris, Warbreaker, and Tress are all like. I, I think it's probably if you if you pressed me on it right now, I think I'd go one Tress, two Warbreaker, and three Elantris. But that might shift if you ask me in like ten minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna have a formal ranking for sure when we have been on to rank all of the okay. Mistborn books in order. So we'll we'll Sounds take good. we'll take some time and thought to officially iron these thoughts out. But it's good to have like a a gut reaction because I also think I'm with you. I think that I remember originally reading this and originally getting done with it and being like, "Wow, that was awesome!" And I do still really like the book. Again, eight point five. But some of some of those issues that I have with this are some of the things that I also was repeatedly kind of bringing up in the, in our episodes that we were recording where it's like, I like this story. If more stories though, are like this in the Brandon Sanderson universe of things, I think that that could lead to some serious storytelling problems that I would not enjoy. I would like for this to be the outlier, not the norm. That's fair. And I enjoy it as an outlier. I don't think I would enjoy it as the norm. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, yeah, my hope is that the stories don't trend this direction. I understand naturally that they will when it becomes more sci-fi. I think I'm okay with that once it hits full sci-fi, full space shit. But on the grounded shit, it doesn't doesn't work for me nearly as well when you're trying to tell a fantasy story. So would that still be sci-fi or would that be like futuristic fantasy? (sighs) That's the question. The the thing is, <laughs> and I understand the the inclination to lean science fantasy, there's something to be said that these are just science fantasy to begin with because of how grounded they are in a physical I mean, system. That's, that's what hard fantasy is, right? It's just as it gets more modern, you get more like you you feel the need to call it science as it gets more modern. Yeah. 
Yeah, hard fantasy is more that there's like a description of rules and things and systems, and it's supposed to emulate real systems and real worlds. So including science, like you're saying, I think that this is, it definitely is. This definitely fits into like the subgenre of hard fantasy. I would agree with you. Science fantasy is generally closer to Star Wars, where it's like there's there's some magical mumbo jumbo with spaceships you know like we don't fully have it explained there probably is an explanation somewhere of midichlorians and how everything technically works it's been completely ousted or jousted away but you know yeah at some point red rising is kind of science fantasy almost it doesn't really have the fantasy elements nearly as hard so i i tend to not call it that or put it in that category I feel like that's pretty hard like pretty strictly sci-fi I agree. I agree. And I don't want to get into necessarily the details of, of where and why, but I think that it borrows from that group of stories more than it does traditional sci-fi, if that makes sense. Okay. It's got more in common with Star Wars than it, and Dune, but Dune is more technically explained. But it's got more in common with Star Wars than, say, an Asimov book does, which would be like generally considered sci-fi. Okay. So, yeah. But I think as we move into the future with the series, I think I'm more okay with the world overlapping more and more, but I got we got to be at space technology or or something. And it also can't feel like it comes out of nowhere as a Deus Ex, which was the other problem of the Ghost Bloods. And it doesn't help that I don't like Kelsier to begin with at all anymore. So that's that's another thing is the Deus Ex not to bring up it's because you brought up the term is because is why it's like striking my brain but that interaction with hoid at the end and oh, i think the hoid one is the one that makes the last couple books hmm. has been kind of a sticking point for me and doesn't feel okay. fully understood and maybe a secret history too would truly make that make sense to me but I don't understand why Hoyd. I, I don't understand Hoyd and Wax's relationship. Unless Wax understands that Hoyd is something closer to harmony than a like citizen. No, Hoyd Wax definitely doesn't understand shit about Hoyd. Then I don't understand. Wayne seems it. to have an impression though. That's that's more interesting to talk about comparatively. That's a good point. Wayne seems to be on to him. Wax does not appear to be on to him. I need to grab bitters. This turned weird. So one second. You can talk more about Hoyd, though. So I, I guess the biggest thing for me is that Hoyd and Wax interact several times and seem to restart the relationship or, or uh, connection, however you want to call it, in a way that doesn't align with how Wax generally interacts with people and, and remembers people. So it feels too glaring to be just an overlook, the, but the I bands don't of morning, understand it. The Bands of Morning Party really still, still fucking with you, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I I can still confidently say that there's a reason for the bands of mourning, Schadenfreude, but I can't tell you why, <laughs> right. unfortunately. But what I what I can say is that 
he definitely would not recognize Hoyt in that situation, even though he refers to himself as Hoyt. Okay. So, I don't like it, though. That doesn't mean that I, I like that, especially because here's the other side of this for me. Why would Hoyd want Wax to know that Kelsier is alive? Like, why would he give him that medallion? Hoyd fucking hates Kelsier and his objectives. That's my issue with it. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I got the other way. Hmm. Like, I, I He's trying to make him Kelsier, aware. Kelsier hates Hoyd and his, like, pursuits. I never got the mm-hmm. impression that Hoyd hates Kelsier also. Like, it felt like well, a think one-way that that's... hatred. Like, they didn't feel like opposing forces. It just felt like Kelsier didn't like Hoyd. I... Interesting. The the thing that kind of pushes me in the other direction is a note that happens in Marisi's perspective when she's meeting Moonlight and they're driving in cars and Moonlight says that I'm not sure if it's me watching him or if he's watching me and that's why he's around and they're talking about Hoyd being in the other car uh, earlier on when they're driving to filming. I, I didn't I didn't see that as a Kelsier direct connection. Oh, I'm okay. I do see that as a Kelsier direct thing. But then again, you don't at that point fully have that connection that this is Kelsier yet. That's the leader of the Ghost Bloods. So for me, reading uh, that feels like it's a I, think I don't think so yet. That. I don't I don't think so. I think she says my mentor is still at that point. Interesting. I can't because they're on the way to their the raid of Bilming where we meet that constable lady of whom is dropped as a character after those two scenes with her that introduces Governor what's his nuts in Trone. Yeah. <laughs> Again to the story. So Yeah, I don't know. I, I can understand the the conflict there. I just I see the opposition of the two forces. Not necessarily that Hoyd doesn't want Kelsier to succeed in protecting Scadriel, because I think that he ultimately does. He seems to be on the side of harmony as it as they have conversations as well. But you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like he's an antagonist. He just doesn't like Kelsier's vibe fair and you know maybe Hoyd needs a vibe check you know I'm not I'm not gonna protect the boy I do imagine him with a bowl cut is that wrong it is factually wrong but I love it I (laughs) love it there is a lovely picture from Tress of Hoyd that I'm gonna send here if you haven't seen I'm just going to Google albino bowl cut. It's coming in the chat from the climax where he's wearing, you know, you know what he's wearing. I don't necessarily ruin it for anyone. I mean, just a dude with white hair. Okay, that's fair. This is kind of what I imagine, but older. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see where you're getting it. He's a little bit more quaffed or well well dressed than that i say as we're staring at him wearing socks and sandals but <laughs> yes yeah i can i can understand that though and a hawaiian shirt the sort of modern for anyone of course of whom can't see these pictures which is everyone the modern like bowl cut that's going on right now is like the hairstyle of like machine gun kelly had it for a while like all of that genre of that that era of bowl cut. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else kind of is emblematic of it. I was like, are one of the Paul brothers, like Logan or Jake? 
I don't know. I don't know. Should we know, get man. into some listener questions? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Did you have before before we do that? I want to I want to bring up one thing before we go into listener questions because we've kind of we've talked around it quite a bit. I want to talk about Kelsier. I want to talk. I want to talk. Okay. Kelsier and the Ghost Bloods inclusion in the story. What did you think of the Ghost Bloods, Kelsier, Moonlight, Twin Soul? Codenames are stupid. I, I guess that's another point where I wish there was something more outlined in the story because it really didn't feel like to have been so established. It didn't. It didn't feel like they have that much to show for it in our like purview. You know. Can you explain what you mean more by for having so much established? You mean for like spending so like, much time on the page with them or No, no, no. For for them having been established as an organization and operating for as long as mm. they have been with as big of a roster as they have. It doesn't feel like anything super large has been their direct influence and maybe they've helped and maybe they've like had their hands in things in small ways. So far, it doesn't seem that there's anything really, really huge until the end of this book with the assistance of Steris, which is like count not not counter to, but in aside from their their main objectives they they really haven't contributed to the any of the storylines that we've been exposed to as far as I yeah. Can yeah, I I think I mostly I think I mostly agree with you. I feel like that's the big bummer for me is that we go through and we introduce this organization basically to info dump about the Cosmere in this story quite a bit. And also, Marisi a moral conundrum. Yeah, right. That she didn't need. Which, I mean, in and of itself, I guess it's reaffirming the character. That's fine. But, yeah, I, I think that that's my end result, too, is that, like, I feel like the Ghostbloods, for being this super intimidating and secretive and helpful organization, did ultimately help in saving the world. But you'd feel like they could have done more. But at the same time, if they would have done more, then what was the point of bringing our characters along to begin with? Also, I would reiterate another time, what was the point of bringing our character along on that side quest to begin with? Outside of trying to win her over to join. Like, I don't know. That's that's the plot that doesn't work for me nearly as well on a second read. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, it's still... Yeah, let's, let's clarify. It technically works. It just doesn't... It's not my taste. It's not my flavor. It doesn't mean uh, anything to me. Yeah, right. Like, this is, this is an easy plot line to write out if you don't need Kelsier to exist within the story. Right, yeah. And then also, the only reason that you kind of want Kelsier to exist in this story is to pay off the setup of, like, the medallion from the last book. But do we even technically pay it off? All we know no. is that he's alive. So it's like, what the... We knew that. It's it's such a it's such a mishmash of, of things. And I, I want to say that I think some of that is the sort of outset of the story being kind of an unintentional one versus the sort of plan for Mistborn was to be composed of three eras, the second of which was the spy thriller that's now become era three, and then to go into era three, 
which was supposed to be the space era, we've now basically inserted something. And so it seems to have thrown a wrench into plans, but it also is allowed to set up chess pieces. But setting up those chess pieces has just left, I think, this era feeling kind of unsatisfying. This gets into a listener question. So were you satisfied with the way things were resolved? Why or why not? This includes all kinds of notes, like the the men of gold and red. You know, there, there's a lot there. But That's I realized another, that we were talking about this, and I was like, "Whoa!" Bringing up the men of gold and red—that's anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get anything that comes through. Not even one that we can like detain and investigate. Like th- that felt very empty threadish. Like, obviously, the mm. threat was there and it was thwarted, but like, we don't get anything out of that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that I'm with you on, on that entirely. I think that that was one of my big my big qualms are a lot of those those components, right, that get raised there where it's like, well, why didn't we have one come through or why didn't we see, I don't know, someone go through and fight one on the other side to like hold them back? You know, that pivot to the story of like, imagine if you will, some fractional multiversal version of the Cosmere in which Wayne is with Marisi, jumps through the portal, fights off the things as she fights to burn the portal and is closed as he dies on the other side fighting the men of Golden Red. Like, we would get to see what like the actual threat of that scene and moment is. We would get, you know, we would get some crazy closure between the sacrifice that Wayne makes to Mer- like for Marisi, which is a huge deal for their partnership. And I get that we see this on the other side with Wax. So like I wouldn't, it, it's, a, it's a tough call. Just as an example though, like there are so many other ways that this could have been done. Could it be that the bomb opened the perpendicularity? Like pff, something, I don't know. Yeah. I do like the way that Wayne's ending comes about. It's emotional, it's physical. It makes mm-hmm. sense. I do. I, I can't help but think that a bomb on a warship isn't that. Like, I feel like there's so much more that could have been done to really amp up the stakes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, what was there was done really well. So I can't complain that hard about it. I feel incredibly Minnesotan in my like responses right now <laughs> as far as mm-hmm. my accent goes like I, I don't know why but i'm like picking up my own accent what about Sorry. what about spinning this a different direction what about telson bavadin autonomy and trell would you make of that satisfied yes no no i don't know that much about trell bavadin at all and we really don't get a familial con- conclusion between like wax and telson even like she just kind of dies and mm-hmm. bavadin retreats like that that's that's it like we don't get a substantially meaningful emotional payoff for that familial fight that's been going on for several thousand pages yeah, yeah. And I think that's the biggest bummer of, again, of a decision that was made in Bands of Mourning, to some degree, to blow up Edwarn. Like, 
can you imagine what this would be like if this were Ed Warren at the end? We actually had some emotional buildup and resonance with him throughout mm-hmm. a lot of the plot. And Telson, meanwhile, like the backstab was great in the final moment, but she could have died in the cell the same. And I would have felt more emo- emotional resonance with Ed Warren because he was in all three books and was like built up to be a bad guy. And then instead, he's the one who gets exploded randomly in a jail cell. Yeah. Yeah. But to autonomy's point, I, I, it's not as though I expected autonomy to be defeated in this story. I know that autonomy is in another couple of short stories and is very clearly infecting, you know, worlds and is using this sort of avatar system to spread out. But I can't help but also feel a little bit underwhelmed by the portrayal of Trell while simultaneously like being really excited for autonomy as a villain. Like, I think that Bavadin is pretty cool, but at the same time, by bringing in the shard to make the stake really big and then not having it be like a really big resolution for that same payoff of like defeat just leaves like a, a dry taste in the mouth. Unfortunately. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Tell you what, PJ, I think I like hero of ages more now than I like. <laughs> Lost metal. More than we talk about this. At the very least, that ties up with a nice bow, even if it gets sacrificed at the altar of secret history. <laughs> Fair. The Malwish are, are another one that goes kind of unresolved inside of this whole thing. This one, to me, feels like the biggest Era 3 setup. And I think I just kind of have to be okay with that because he yeah. had to set the groundwork functionally for it to make sense. I don't like that, though. But I functionally can wrap my head around it i think what makes sense the most to me i i agree i think this is primarily an era three setup don't believe the bands of mourning are drained i think that there was whatever the metal is that like blocks alimantic use somehow also applies to the bands of mourning and that is the power that admiral doll is equipped with and i don't know if he's actually an official like liaison of the malwish people so i i think we're going to be dealing with a lot of misinformation and both sides having different information and understandings of what's going on fighting a third party of whoever admiral Dahl is allied with that's my that's my prediction of like the immediacy after era two i don't know what that means for era three which is inherently probably a time jump so you would think that would get resolved at least to a certain extent before era three happens so it it feels like an immediate problem not a long-term one but we'll see what happens yeah i it's so interesting that you fixated on the idea of him being like a fraud to some degree to me because I, I don't get that at all. I do get that this is a setup. It does feel deliberately like a setup. But I don't think that he's not connected with the Malwish Nation or that like he's acting outside necessarily. You don't think there would be like words sent ahead of time if they were to send a different... What's the term? What was he acting as? The ambassador? Like you, yeah. they wouldn't send word that they're sending a new ambassador. Like he just shows up as the replacement for the ambassador with no other information. I mean, everyone knows that he's a war hero. Okay. 
the Maoist governor couldn't say like, hey, by the way, different dudes coming to you instead of like, probably, here's a warship probably not. and a different ambassador. Yeah. And we're just I mean, going to believe what he said. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. The other ambassador leaves like, knowingly. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like it does. That doesn't feel like the unbelievable part to me. I don't know. I think he knew that the bands were a setup. I think he was sent there. Into, here's here's the thing, PJ. I feel like you're playing this off as like a as like a he's an outside actor of the Malwish and like the Malwish people's intents. I'm I cool don't with, think that's true. I'm cool with the Malwish also being malicious towards the the human people that we've come to know. For whatever reason, the story is set up in such a way that I believe that he's not a part of that. Hmm. interesting we'll see personally i don't get that but my conspiracy theory on the other side of this is that i think alec is in on it as well i think alec is entirely in on it Hmm. okay i could get this what alec just went from like a teacher smart pilot dude with like a high station in you know the the navy in theory to being a fucking bread cook Pastry chef. Okay, buddy. You know, I want, I want something good for Marcy on the other side of this. So like, I, I hope that that doesn't happen to her, but at the same time, you know, right. Yeah. I, I think that the Malwish are the ones that stand out to me as, as the point as the plot thread that's going to be drag, drug into the next era, but also the one that it's like their direct involvement with so much of the lost metal feels so unnecessary to me because it, could have just been a lingering plot thread in the background in the broadsheets even of this story to say like hey tensions are rising to make it so front and center makes it feel like it needs to resolve in this storyline to me and and that's ultimately why i think i was really unsatisfied by it that's fair yeah and why it feels the most marvel after credits tease for the next thing Versus being something subtle to th- pull the thread on, right? Like the entire idea of like harmony being unbalanced and like, you know, the discord thread that we talked about last week and whatnot. So, all right. We have another question here, PJ. All the way back from Alloy of Law. The question here is from Rags, from our discord, from our patron. Do you think Miles 100 lives could have survived the explosion that killed Wayne? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I guess it really depends. We know that he can survive. Was it was it us that came up with this, or was it like outlined that like decapitation couldn't couldn't work because he'd like grow his head back quick enough? I think that we were talking about Deadpool at one point, and then it was like a question of like how far does this go into that direction? But yeah, so. Other than keeping killing him until the gold runs out, which can take a lot of time, the first way would be via hemolurgy if you can manage to remove the ability. <sighs> Nearly always fatal. Yada, yada, yada. Healing him nets. If he brings a bomb, he can blow himself up along with another trap, then heal himself. So he did, bl- if we remember back in Alloy of Law, he did blow himself up at one point and then heal himself. So, but that has to be pretty controlled. It really yeah. depends on where his metal mines are. And how the explosion affects him. I I think there are situations in which he could survive that, but it's so dependent on how prepared he is for it and how, There's like, a, how he's torn apart. 
there there is this thing. There's a word of Brandon on it. So in good question, like so if you bisected Miles in half, right? Like perfectly in half, which side would regrow? Uh, you know, or would and the halves were separated immediately before the healing process could begin. Would the two halves each regrow into a whole miles? Which is a fun question, you know, to consider. In all of the Cosmere's shard-based magics, the greater portion of the bisected body regrows the lesser portion. If it were done exactly halfway, the soul would jump to one or the other randomly, and that would regrow. Okay. Is the is the answer. Interesting. So, yeah. The larger remaining chunk, and I'm sure part of that would also have to do with, like, the metal mines themselves because of compounding and the way that that would work is they would heal and maintain the space around them better. Yeah, I don't know. So, hear me out. What if you're... You take a big guillotine and you... A big one. Bisect almost perfectly in half right up to the gooch. Like, head down to the gooch, but you don't let it, like, separate. So you've got one person... And they're they're like they're like this. They they look like an X. And then these two sides start to regrow. And then only when like they're mostly done forming the regrowth process on both sides, you let the guillotine drop and cut the gooch. And then you've got two mostly formed Miles Hundred lives. One legged Miles. They both only lives. have one leg, but they both and one arm. <laughs> No, their, I mean, arm I guess, would, their arm would grow with that. I think... I'm so glad we went in this direction. <laughs> I feel like the answer to this is more like, if you were bisected in that way, you would just, like, start to use your feet to, like, wiggle yourself down so that you could, like, escape the guillotine on the bottom okay, side. But then you've got two <laughs> fully functioning brains. I don't think that they would be fully functioning. I think You that's don't the, think they'd be think, fully functioning? No, I don't. I, I think that your hypothetical does not work the way okay. that you, you just think you it just is. That's a, that's my pitch. You'd have left yeah. brain and right brain connected by a single blood vessel through the gooch. Yeah, <laughs> but then but then what happens is when you stand up, you try to resume your form. So when you eventually move, it would try to meld you back together. There's got to be a leg, right? If you're doing anything like complex computation wise there's got to be a leg as the as the the blood no nah, it's not blood it's not blood based i don't know <laughs> this this is very complicated for seemingly no reason it is pretty pretty much reasonless yeah yeah no i mean it's just it's like how how does one even try to resolve this and i feel like the answer is it's better to not because i don't think i don't think it would happen i don't think that miles would survive the explosion i think compounders are very powerful but i think the reality is is that he would probably heal himself at such a rate that like he wouldn't live outlive the explosion the drowning everything else that yeah accompanies i think that's probably correct it's the biggest damn explosion there ever was yep what there ever was yeah so yeah, compounding is really interesting though. I think that's a good question. 
So we got some larger theory questions here from Zypress. Thank you so much for sending these in. I also wanted to mention the uh, Cicer that we had last week was excellent. Obviously, we talked about it at length. I forgot to call it its name during the episode. It is of ruin and preservation is its name because it is perfectly balanced, was recovered from that nearly destroyed batch and turned into something very unique and special as a harmonization of everything. We're great. I got, got real drunk. It was really good. Same. Did you finish it? Did you finish all yours? No, no. I've still got a little no. bit left, but I shared some with Kaylin while we hmm. made pizzas. <clears throat> What'd she think? She liked it. Nice. Yeah. I finished mine that night. Oh, no. Yeah, while I was on the phone with everyone. Yeah, afterwards. Good. Yep. Yep. I wasn't planning on it, but then we were sitting there talking for so long. I was like, sweet. I'll just keep going, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I'm only sad that I don't have more. But needless to say, there are larger theory questions here. And so these are going to be things that are going to pertain to the wider Cosmere, potentially, and or things in Era 3. Nothing crazy, of course, but, you know, things things to think about and consider. Not just kind of book theory, book recount questions. So what are your theories and thoughts on the shadow behind Sazed and how might that affect Era 3? Maybe a second consciousness? That while ruin and preservation were two bodies conjoined to a single consciousness, maybe there was a floating, like ruin's consciousness was was detached and has been kind of trying to find a way to connect itself. And maybe there will be a devil on Sazed's shoulders going forward that hmm. he has to actively try to fight against. To a certain degree. Sure. I got to say, one of the things that intrigues me thinking about this, I, I like the idea of the devil on the shoulder and kind of the split personality, not split personality necessarily, but split intense, pushing in different ways. I think it's important to say that ruin is more powerful than preservation because preservation did put more of themselves into humankind, as it were. Mm-hmm. And preservation did, I mean, like we won in the end. But that balance never rectified itself. Like all of humanity still has a lot of preservation in them. And so ruin just is more powerful. And I think that's gradually eating away at the balance that is harmony. That's fair. Yeah. So I think devil on your devil on the shoulder is maybe a result. It's like I'm what I'm doing here, PJ, is I'm not refuting your theory. I'm just giving the equation that I think leads to your theory to some degree. Yeah, but I I wonder if it's like devil on the shoulder or if it's something like they start to lose the faculty to make decisions as succinctly as they did before. Or maybe it's a little ruin as a treat and then some preservation as a treat and then more ruin as a treat. I don't know. Ruin as a treat is a good dessert name at like a fancy restaurant. A little ruin as a treat. Yeah, it could be it could be fancy, I guess. Oh boy, you fancy. <laughs> What's going on? I love you. You think Mistborn will ever truly come back, either by hemolurgy, medallions, or lorassium slash harmonies intervention? Yes. And I think it's going to be outside of the control of harmony at this point. We know that lorassium has been produced. Like This is another thing that I'm like, frustrated with is that Kelsier epilogue. Mm-hmm. Their argument feels futile 
and it feels like it's just passing on and and creating more frustrations down the line. I think Kelsier is going to discover Lurassium pretty quickly because he knows that these explosions create Atium, and that's still a desirable outcome. So he's going to pursue these explosions, and he's going to accidentally end up with Lurassium as well. And like that's going to happen really fast, I think. Like maybe a couple days after this conversation with Kelsier and Harmony. Like it's going to happen really, really quickly. So Mistborn are going to start popping up more and more often. And we know that that can then get passed down genetically. It's not super common, but it, it can happen. So as soon as you start introducing Mistborn into the gene pool, we're going to end up with a, a population that has genetics that have the potential for Mistborn. And it sounds like, to me, based on the way that everything was described, it's not impossible for a Mistborn to be born. Or rather, rather... Let me, let me rephrase that. It's not impossible for a full Farrakimist to be born. It might be impossible for a full Mistborn to be born. It's just that the Farrakimist outcome is very, very rare. But it, it was never outlined as impossible. So I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this at this point. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was even, wasn't there like a silly hint that was almost tucked in at the end that suggested that suggested that it's happened almost not only that it's it's i think it's a stretch further than that where it's even like potentially wayne was a full ferrochemist like there was there was something that i remember being reading really funkily right at the end mm. i didn't catch funkily that. you heard me correctly we know he gets surprised when he's able to read another metal mind which to me says that he has had experiences where he wasn't able to read a metal mind. Yeah. But that's different than reading another metal. Right. Yeah. It is, it is different than another metal. There's also, so uh, this is one of those weird things too, where this Ars Arcanum to me is funkier than all of the other ones combined because it, it, it feels like almost every other Ars Arcanum is reflective of things and knowledge that you get and or attain within the book itself. It feels like it is a textual recap for you that's written in a particular character's voice. This one does not feel like that. This one has additional context and information that feels outside of the immediate scope in some ways. But it does still feel in-universe. In a lot of ways. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it feels removed from Chris's voice, of whom they're they're written in, but it does feel like every other time it's been a result of like here's here are the things in the book in case you need a refresher. This is where you can go to get your refresher. This literally has a section on hemolurgy that goes in and expands upon it on the whole, even from the understanding that we get from the books. Is that a so it function feels of weird it being to me. farther down the line historically? One assumes, but I don't like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's my issue. 
So could this I, like, retroactively become better for you if more books within the Cosmere like shine the light on the thing that things that she's talking about historically previous to I era I don't it feels like more after credits teases and I don't like that as opposed to revealing something to me in a story give it to me through the pages through the text give me the world context this this is the that's the issue this this section of the books has always been like a recap basically on things or a way to catch yourself up but in the end the final section on the spikes is like something it literally has narrative to it and it's like if it has narrative to it why aren't you exposing me to to it in the story i don't view these ars arcanums as story and maybe that's my bad but at the same time i don't view most of the appendices of stories as the bible of text on the thing like if you're for instance cast of characters in the front of the book doesn't necessarily you can't change the description on me on a cast characters list and then be like go with it and i what why would i do that like unless you're pierce brown well (laughs) that wasn't that was a fucking error which is a little bit different (laughs) it wasn't it was right it was just an oversight. No, 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 no. There was another. There was another one that was a literal error. I know you're talking about the oversight. There was another one that was an error that suggested someone was married to Darrow's mother. It was not. Uh, gotcha. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, like, I have, after lengthy questioning, obtained an interview with Marsh, the one known as Iron Eyes on Scadrial. Before this says, something odd is happening with the nature of spikes and hemallergy on Scadrial. A particular note to any arcanists who study the nature of intent and connection. It's like, why are you telling me this as opposed to exposing me to it in the story? And it goes on and on and on to say that, like, compounding, and it gives more material things as to, like, how mechanics work on things. But it's like, I don't. Why? It goes on to talk about like modern souls, however, seems simply to reject spikes of this magnitude. Why? Like, yeah. Where's where's the context? Why is this important? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's another little bummer. Mm-hmm. Another little bummer in the book for me. But I do think as well to answer the question here, I think I'm with you on the Lorassium coming back. I think you're entirely correct that Kelsier is going to on literally in two hours from the moment of this meeting is already beginning to set off little explosions to try to repeat whatever wax did. And we know that wax did something special with the electrolysis process. We assume, I think based on the experiment that he was doing something who in that regards still alive and can be interviewed. True. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Could be interrogated, could be tortured to death by Kelsier. Cause why not? He's Kelsier has no morals. Yeah. So wouldn't it be really sad for poor little Max to not have a dad? It would be. But I mean, <laughs> does Kelsier care about that when you're dealing with the lives of a no noble? Oh, also, no, <laughs> <laughs> I see where you were going. I didn't I didn't make the connection right away. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. But I also think that hemallergy has a big a big stake in all of this. No pun intended. I don't <laughs> think that that'll be full. Bring back full Mistborn. 
I didn't realize what I was saying until it was too <laughs> fucking late, and I, I had to out pun myself or unpun myself. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit torn on hemorrhagy. I feel like medallions are going to democratize a lot of abilities, and that's kind of the idea. What if what if Mistborn, but Bioshock? Basically, it's what yeah. I see. You still need the physical, like, Alamancer resource in order to create mm-hmm. these things. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of going to a clown vending machine that screams savings at the Zerkas of values, you go to a dude on the corner who's like, Yeah, I'm a tin eye. Give me give me your tin thing. Give me your tin thing. You got any you got any drug bugs? Uh, do you think they and- do that or do you think they create contracts with the Walgreens of the future to that? <laughs> Probably also that. But I think there's got to be some illicit ones, right? Like there's got to be some. There's going to be some black market. Yeah. Alamancy right. going on. But for the most mm-hmm. part, I feel like they'll probably go through uh, a consolidation process. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I don't think that Sanderson is the writer for this, but he did make the joke about doing like a cyberpunk Mistborn era, right? As like mm-hmm. a offshoot, because then you could do sixteen medals and sixteen books. Ha ha! It'd be cool. And I, well, I, I don't disagree with folks. I don't think that Sanderson can write risquely enough, or wouldn't choose to write a risque enough story for it to feel like a good cyberpunk story. Yeah, yeah. In true. the same way that I would want of the underbelly, which is what like cyberpunk tends to be. So, but I think that someone else should. I think that Dan Wells should be brought in to write that one because he would love to write about a bunch of seedy guys doing that kind of stuff because he would write the the drug dealer-esque Alamancer who charges up with Duralamin in a medallion so that you could super burn, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's your main character is he's a Duralamin misting who charges up medals for other people so they can go get tin blasted out of their minds on someone else's medallion. I, there's there's so much potential there. I mean, imagine a rioter hired by a brothel to just kind of sit in the middle of the building and just inflame the emotions of all of the clients. Yeah, yeah. We kind of get that in a unique way with the soothing house, right? Back in Shadows of Self. Yeah. It's not exactly the yeah. same. They're paying to be soothed. But like on the other side of that, you know. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. You could see you could see a, a lot of modern things augmented very, very subtly by Alamancy, emotional yeah. Alamancy, to, like specifically. Yeah, I totally think so. So I think I think medallions are going to play a big part of it. I'm only bummed that they didn't play a bigger part in this story. Not going to lie, yeah. it kind of of all the things I'm the most bummed about missing that entirely as a plot point or as a thing. Mm-hmm. They weren't absent, but they weren't so necessary they were, that they had to be there. They were the only medallion that's mentioned. Oh, is, medallions, not the yeah, not the grenades. Yeah, the grenades are different. The grenades are fine. They function on et metal and, you know, whatnot. So mm-hmm. a little bit different, but I, I understand where you're going with it. That makes sense. It's the same technology. Yeah, one assumes. One assumes it's close. I'm not sure it's the same technology exactly, but it's it's close. Roughly the same advancement, you know. Whatever. I can I can equate that. I don't need to I don't need to be a dick about it. Another one from Zypris here. 
Harmony states that there is a way to use the metallic arts for space travel. Do you have any predictions on how that might work? I mean, my assumption is that it's a a progression upon those medallions like we talked about. And hmm. steel pushing, I think, is going to be very, very important if there's a way to create an anchor that is maybe really heavily metallic or magnetically attracted to the spaceship itself, but still is able to be used as an anchor to push against. So it's like constantly moving with the spaceship, but is technically separate. So it can be pushed on separately that could produce an effect of like sustained propulsion but i don't know i feel like bend alloy is our trick here i think that bend alloy basically creating something that allows for us to almost move the speed of light if it could be manipulated and launched and moved in some way shape or form is going to yield something so they can move physically at a speed that's not super fast but the experience of the traveler is near speed of light is that what you're saying so wayne physically sees the electric pulses slow down right which should move incredibly fast he's approaching the speed of light in those moments and so the assumption there is that there's something relative to the way that they're moving inside of the bubble that just needs to be turned into an engine to move something forward or to create a bubble that can do, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think that there's some mass time, mass dilation thing that we're going to have to deal with time as mass is kind of what I'm thinking. So maybe what that is, is your anchor is someone that burns chromium, nicrosil, nicrosil is what nicrosil. That's what Marisi burns, right? Marisi burns chromium. Chromium? Yeah. So you have someone who burns chromium on one side, and that is like a, it's your slow time equivalent. So like on earth or whatever. And then you have someone who's burning bend alloy and you somehow have someone pushing against like a, a hyper time slow bubble on the one side and they're able to push themselves relative. I don't know. I don't know. I just see time and mass with metal equating to speed. That'll be fun to see. Yeah. I also think your theory could totally work. I think that that would be closer to like standard propulsion. And we don't know how far away the, those, these things are. So my assumption is one of, we're going to have to go a really long way. So we're going to have to make faster than light work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We shall see cool well this is also obviously the wrap-up of wax and wayne and we haven't talked about them at all in any way shape or form i know that we obviously spent a lot of time talking about wax or sorry wayne's wrap-up last week because naturally that's pretty much the the highlight of the whole episode did you have anything left that you wanted to say about wayne the resolution of his arc the handing off the hand-me-down to Ariandra, the you know all of that jazz I I really like the inclusion of the like passing off to Alriandra. I like the the story mirrors that it creates. But I almost 
kind of feel like that was a regression to a certain extent to be that heavy into Alriandra in his, in his will compared to hmm. how he's like towards the end, like realizing that she, he's been torturing this girl. Like she hasn't been wanting him to do this. All of her. You think that that's a regression? Uh, yes and no. Okay. I think it could have been a large sum of money without being his entire estate. Though at that point, where would his estate go? And that's a, that's a, like who? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I feel like it could have been a, a very large sum to help her for the rest of her life. While also not being a, my entire life was dedicated to you kind of conclusion. Mm. His entire life was dedicated for making up for that wrong. Yeah. But like, that's, that's the thing that's being wrestled with that kind of, yeah, that kind of counters, but that decision would have need to been made beforehand. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he, he doesn't really come to terms with that in the moment, right? He has this note written out long beforehand when he ultimately, that's true. Perhaps a long time beforehand. So yeah, I see your point. I don't feel like it undoes anything because I think that it is the sort of desync between when things were initiated, you know, when his will was written versus when he actually died. His funeral, as it were. His funeral yeah. and his death. Right. <laughs> 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 God, what a funny scene. That will forever go down as one of my favorites of the book, I think. Just the general tension of, like, Wayne being chased around by these people and then being like, oh, God, what'd Wayne get into? And then him just being obscenely wealthy was just such a good defiance of my expectation, especially for Wayne. You know, mm-hmm. it was delicious. Yeah. Very delicious. Yeah. What about wax? What about wax or anything else on Wayne? No, I think that's good on Wayne. Wax in general. I kind of like where he ends. The the campaigns to unify the, the roughs. And the the outer cities. I think that makes Mm -hmm. sense for him. His family is safe. Steris is being offered a position that like perfectly matches her personality. As far as I understand, like she's never really held a position before. So it'll be good to see her like her strengths go towards something in an official capacity, like as productive. I don't know. I I, kind of like the the resolution there. What do you think of it? I like it. I think I think I like his resolution. I think I like all of it. I just kind of wish that like Max Max would have fallen into a pit, you know, like, (laughs) oh, no, we lost the kid right at the end. He he fell. (laughs) Oh, no, I should have named him better. I don't know. He fell. It was so sad. He fell right off the tower. Dad wasn't there to catch him. He wasn't, you know, didn't realize his dad wasn't there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally totally fine with where Wax ends up, and I I think that honestly, it's all it's all set up very well for me for kind of the way that he goes out, and I think that it makes logical sense with how he kind of winds down his life. I don't assume 
you know, obviously I think he's going to have long reaching impacts on sort of the foundation of this new nation that is growing out of the sort of Ellendale Basin and creating states, you know, the United United States of Ellendale or something like that, or a Vindum or I don't know. <laughs> a Vindum? Vindum, yeah. I don't know. What, what are they going to call him? I don't know. Yeah. The Vindominion. It's like a condominium, but <laughs> depressed and was a thief as a kid. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I, I just, I think that it's, I think that he logically makes sense. I love Steris's. I really genuinely, like, Maxilium cannot be a character in Era 3 under any circumstance. Depends on the time gap. Nope. Nope. I'm not. I'm not gonna tolerate it. All right. All right. Max All needs right. to go straight to jail. <laughs> straight to jail. <laughs> straight <Okay>. to jail. <laughs> Tinwell is okay though. She can. She can be involved in the story in some substantial way. And maybe the third kid that they have, or the third child that they have, that'll be a full blown mm-hmm. mistborn. I'm sure. So, villain, Vin and Ellen combined. Yeah. <laughs> Vin and Ellen, those will be the names of the kids. Jesus, villain. I, oh God. You know what? Here's here's the deal. If Kelsier doesn't die in the next book for real this time, <laughs> I I'm done. I'm done. He's got to die. He's the first villain. <laughs> He's got to just suddenly pass away. Oh no! Violently. <laughs> just kidding. I won't be done. But come on, come on. Kelsier <laughs> needs to go. There's something else that I really wanted to say here about Wax. So there are characters that I think will actually make it into the next era to some degree or that I I wouldn't mind seeing. I do truly think that I want Wax to kind of be done. I want Wax's story to be resolved. I think that he should be dead and in the ground just in terms of also the passage of time. Like, and I don't mean that in in a negative way. I just feel like that feels about right for where he is. I, I wouldn't want him to get roped into something else. I would love to see an elderly stateswoman, Marisy, though, in the worst kind of way in, in Era 3. I think that would be incredible. And I feel like she's really the only other character that I want to see return. I mean, we may see Doll come back, or we may see Alec again, but yeah, I imagine we'll mostly focus on other things, but I would love to see, you know, she doesn't need to be a perspective, but even in the backdrop of the pictures... Elder Marisy would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But not Maxillium. No, no. Maxillium falls at age 13. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fell right into a blender. (laughs) So sad. You got chopped in a little bits to fit, you know? Oh, no. An industrial forge, maybe? Mm. Wonderful. I would feel very bad for Wax and Sarah, so I hope that they never find out. I hope he just absconds and disappears forever and they never learn of his death, but he did die during an unfortunate industrial accident. Yeah. Yeah. Very With sad. kitchen spoons. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be something really unfortunate. <laughs> it's got it's to get dicey. <laughs> I mentioned Marisy. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say on Marisy? I feel like we've we've tackled Marcy cool. pretty succinctly. So sure, I think we I think we're pretty pretty well encapsulated for the story. 
I think so. I, that was really the last one that I wanted to kind of pull up on. Is there anything else that you want to round this out with? Any any other anything else that you want to send Mistborn off with? Bottle on the ship. I mean, we've got one more episode on Era uh, One and Era Two, but I'll see you when you're truly cyberpunk. All right. But until then, have a good sleep. All right. So with that, we are going next week is actually a double header for the first time in a while. The first episode that's going to be coming out is going to be actually, I'm so sorry. This episode is a double header. What am I talking about? I'm getting my dates all mixed up. This episode is being released in conjunction with our episode zero of Greenbone Saga that you can listen to right now. Go do it. In which we are joined by Ben and Aaron and Thomas from Hellerpod, Hellerpod and Heike Obsessed. And we are so stoked to begin this coverage and talking with them and building out that this show for the next six months or so chatting about those books. So super stoked. Go head over there and listen to our brief intro on kind of some structural changes that we'll be doing for the show just to accommodate everyone being there and uh, hear a little bit about everyone and what they've been doing and how we're feeling of them individually are the best person I've ever met in my life. So I'm (laughs) only a little offended. I'm right fucking here. <laughs> he oh my god. Too. I'm okay. It's fine. I get it. I'm trash. <laughs> so yeah, next week is going to be our final episode on Mistborn the series. I actually need to double check the schedule. What did I do to myself? <laughs> did I while Cross is checking the schedule, I am going to thank our producers, Tim and Andrew, for helping us keep our show's lights on. In general, you can check our links in the show notes where you can find our schedule, our Patreon, our previous episodes, our websites, fucking everything, all in one very nice, easy, convenient location. Yes, 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 yes. For the record, just in case you were curious, the... The schedule is actually correct on the website, so I am just fucking moron and didn't look at it. So on the second, we have both this episode and the Jade City episode coming out. Then on the 9th of February, we have the Mistborn series wrap-up coming out, followed on the 16th by the first episode. To give people a little bit of time if they want to pick up Jade City and get reading ahead or, you know, just give some people some time. That intro episode is coming out a week almost two weeks before the first episode comes out. So perfect. Just want to let y'all know my fuck up as PJ had mentioned though, you can find us on social media and all of those other beautiful, wonderful places. Words, whiskey pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit words and whiskey show at gmail.com. If you want to send us a lovely email, such as a wrap up question or whatnot, or questions that you may want us to answer. We typically would pull those up on the show. If you want us to, to give them a go, you can join us at patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey to get in on all of the devil's cuts, all the side chats, the last episode we live recorded and it was a lot of fun. PJ was a little toasty. So it was so fucking drunk. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) 
uh, some editing tricks make that look not so bad. So we're fine. <laughs> and you can get our T-shirts at present on T Public. Make sure you follow that link. Also, want to take a second today to thank a upgrading bar back to a bartender, Siri, for making the jump up between tiers. Thank you so Ooh. much. We're so excited to have you. Game nights, all the bonus shows, and everything else like that. Beyond that, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.